Yo, we back, baby. We back, and it's it's just the two of us. But we can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Just the two of us. Yeah, we back, motherfuckers. Pre-game podcast episode two hundred and thirty-three. It's Wole. It's Queen Bree Bree. No cool because he's on daddy duty. No Tyrell because he's giving his life to the Lord for the next two days. So it's just the original duo, nigga. The dynamic duo. The Jordan Pippen of this shit. The Amos and Andy of this shit. The Thelma and Louise of this shit, nigga. The Pepe Le Pew and any woman that misses that nigga with this shit, even though he got canceled because he's a skunk. It's weird. But the old niggas from Sesame Street in this shit. You know what I'm saying? We back. We are motherfucking back, and we got some good shit for y'all today. Queen Bree, how you feeling today, man? How you feeling? It's a good Friday. First week back to work. Word. Feeling like real grateful that it was virtual. I kid you not. Real grateful that my week was virtual because, man, listen, I don't overslept a couple times. <laughs> mm. mm. Got to get back in rhythm, man. Trying to get back in the vibe because I got to be present and ready to go by 7.05. So. Ooh, that early shit. It feels crazy. Um, but no, it was a good week. I took the time to express myself. I didn't take nothing too seriously. I did not stress myself out over nothing. Um, if I could do it, I did do it. But if I couldn't do it, I did it. And if it was okay. above my pay grade, I left it right where the fuck it Bars, nigga. Early with the bars. And she got the rapper hands. Y'all don't even <laughs> see that. Y'all don't see the rapper hands. She got the rapper hands out too. It's lit. Yo, I love that. I love that. That's what's up. That's how we got it. We need more of that. We need more of that. Word. I told everybody, I said, this year is about me. Not about mm-hmm. nobody else but me. They was like, yes, that. Yes. We're happy to see you. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, alright, that's cool, but when I when I'm it like, happens. Understand what I'm saying. When it happens. When it happens. Understand what I'm saying. When it happens. You should have said when it happens though. Real time. I want y'all to remember that you said you were gonna be supportive. Because I'm gonna hold you to that too. That's also part of me being me. Listen. Yeah, man. This the end for a rude and awakening. You work in a very fast-paced professional environment. There's very little room for error, and there's also very little time for breaks. Listen, there yeah. was times when I was like, I had, I didn't go to the bathroom for the last four hours. There will never be that again. Yeah. You kidding me? I feel, I feel tinged that I got to... I'm going to pee. Yeah. But, like, I'm so used to being in a residential setting where, like, I had to have somebody give me a break so that I could step away to make sure that these clients were safe. Yeah. And it's not that case here. Things there was no actual there's a lot of smoke. Yeah. No fires though. Not a lot of fires. Yeah. A lot of embers. Right. A lot of embers. You still gotta blow on it for like twenty minutes for it to turn into a flame. Exactly. I feel so I can I can I have the ability to go peak. I'm catching what you're throwing, bruh. You throwing fastballs right now. I'm the ump. (laughs) Ninety two miles per hour. (laughs) Throw it back, throw it another one. Yeah, I feel you, hundred percent, and that's how it should be, man. Your mind, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. Finish your thought. It's your checking, man. I'm, I'm shutting up. It's your checking. My bad. I, I apologize. Um. <laughs> uh, it's just I don't know. I just took risks and stuff. It was like, what's your life path? Like, how did you get to where you are today? And normally, people draw pictures and pick up like, um, draw pictures or something like that. Use words. I was like, nah. So I don't really feel like putting that much thought into it. So I picked a few playing cards 
and selected the playing cards and used jokers as terminal turning points or a change of suit or a, a, a deuce of something as a terminal turning point. Yep. And um, then switched the whole shit up and was like, I was playing the wrong game. I was too busy trying to play the cards that I was dealt, not realizing that I was the most powerful, important piece on the board. I'm a black queen and then I'm a black queen. This nigga always trying to be inspirational, bruh. Like, <laughs> you can be ordinary sometimes during your check-ins. You don't always have it's to, It's not like, for the check-in. It's just for how I feel. No, it's for, it's for how you feel. But, like, how am I supposed to follow that? Why'd you let me go first? I always try to go last. No, nigga, fuck all that <laughs> shit. You need to go first sometimes. But now... I don't even want to check no, in. No, your week was. You gotta tell. You gotta talk about your. I week. don't want to check no, in. No, no, I'm no, about to hit. I'm that. about to hit the mic over. Nah, nah my check in was solid, man. I I I, uh, I I fucking wrapped up a lot of loose ends, and I had a lot of important conversations with people that mean a lot to me. Um, I worked on my craft, my comedy craft. I worked on my on my job, and you know, kept a conversation going with my current employer that I think was very valuable but also at the same time um it was very valuable meaningful all of those things and i think uh was necessary but at the same time if what happens in the next you know month happens it will be to no avail because i will no longer be there but i also i understand that like being present now for my remaining weeks, um, and this is me speaking as if it's going to happen. Speak that um, into existence. 100%. So um, I think that the week that I had and the times that I've shared and the way that I'm going about it, I have I intentionally brought up things that can paint a picture that what I'm doing right now, my current role at my current job, uh, or the job itself, like the company itself, could be no more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got my boss to, I engaged my boss and I roped him in that conversation. Um, because, you know, we all come to a crossroads where we feel like we've learned all we can learn, mm-hmm. we've done all we can do, and there's more that needs to be done. And so, you know, that's where I'm at. Um, in terms of my personal life, my community activism and my well, my community leadership and my, my civic engagement overlap with my professional life and it's not a bad thing to me i think if you don't have some sort of community connection with whatever you're doing um you know teachers automatically get that so that's and people that work in schools automatically get that if you don't have that and you work out of schools because you're actively going out of your way to not care i don't think i know some people that what i know some people who don't have that who have absolutely no clue what goes on in they actively go, but they actively act, go yeah, out of their way to not care. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm. That's exactly what I'm saying. If you don't have that, it's because you you you're only there for the check. You want to get paid, and well, some people their heart is in the original area that they started in, and they forget that they got to give that same commitment that they gave to the students that they had before. Oh, I had none of that shit. No, but I'm saying no, no. I'm no, I feel you. you. No, yeah, no, I'm you're telling you're telling the listeners. I know that, but I don't hear none of that shit. You're here now. You're not in Vermont no you're right, more. You're right. You're, you're not in San Diego. You're, in Providence, you're not in Denver. You're not in fucking. Uh, yeah, you're not in Connecticut. You're not in fucking uh, West Hempstead, New York, mm-hmm. nigga. You're in Providence now. You ain't even in Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're not in Manhattan. You're here now, my nigga. So the energy 
And whatever whatever lit your candle and lit that spark that made you want to be a teacher, and now you're teaching young children of color in my city, oh, you better not come at it with 40% energy, especially if I'm in the vicinity and I work in the same building, because I'm going to call you out. You don't have to look like them to connect with them. You don't have to look like them to build a relationship. You don't have to look like them to fucking try. And that's the issue that I have with a lot of white educators in urban communities, not just Providence. I'm talking CF, Pawtucket, Woonsocket, uh, Warren, Rhode Island, wherever, because there's a bunch of niggas in Warren and Newport. We forget about them niggas. Oh, yeah. But they all go to Rogers. They all go to you know, Warren oh, yeah. High School. But they there. Oh, yeah. But these white educators who are like, oh, my God, my heart isn't teaching. No, the fuck it's not. Because no. you you clock out at 2.30 or 3 or whenever the fuck the end of the day wraps. Let me tell you the difference, right? Some educators have the privilege of their presence being enough for them to feel like they're doing something. Word. 100%. Bars, nigga. Yeah. And that comes from leadership, too, though. Yeah. And that's when I'm starting to see a lot more. And that's what I already knew in education, but I'm seeing a lot more. People rely on the brand and what the brand has done to get to where it's at, to be the brand. And they forget about the work that they had to put in for it to become the brand. Mm-hmm. That's why my alma mater, shout outs to the Met, is so problematic to many alumni, many former staff members, many former employees, because the grassroots approach that Dennis and Elliot had to bring this school model into the world and fucking take everybody by storm by having over, you know, 35, 40 schools globally. I mean, internationally. Well, yeah, globally, because they have schools in Africa. They forgot about that once them corporate dollars and them sponsorship dollars started coming in. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation gave us like 10 million to build that public street campus. And after that, it was all about I, how do we keep up this image of us being a school that doesn't have uh, traditional classes, traditional grades? How the fuck do we keep it at a high? How do we compete at a high clip so we don't lose funding to public to other public entities? And, and so we're still also competitive to the LaSalle's and the Hendrickens and the Bayviews. And Which is a rough blah, thing blah, blah, blah. to do, let me tell you, because I used to be in college admissions and some of the most difficult assessments I had to make was for med students. Of course, because it's all over the place. Every student is different. Every student has different passions. Every student is at a different reading level, math level, writing level. It's a fucking mess. However, for the ones who embrace that process, I'm talking about students now because I was one of them. I embraced the process, the the set, the tail end of my sophomore year in my, my uh, senior institute year, and for folks who are lay people, senior institute is your 11th and 12th grade year. I was all in. I was like, I'm going to graduate top of my class. I did that. I'm going to fucking turn on all my assignments on time. I did that. I I'm you. going to fucking, like, everybody's a valedictorian at the Met, but I'm going to make sure that my speech is that of somebody who had real challenges to get to this motherfucking place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody kind of, you know, most about me, oh yeah, you know, I was a bad kid. I was a bad kid. I was It's like, nah, I came in here and I was a fucking wreck. I didn't know who I was. I was supposed to go to your high school. My mom wouldn't let me. She thought I was going to end up a bad kid, all this, all this, all that. I'm like, nah, like 
because I remember going to the open house when I was in eighth grade at Mount, and mm-hmm. I and I, I was like, oh okay, I can come here. It's a big big ass building, but you know, I'll figure it out. We but I'm coming from small schools, though, right? I'm coming from we yeah. Both coming you from were coming from BMV. Schools. I was coming from that two classes. Same exactly. Uh-huh. Well, we had one. Two graduation. No, one like two. Well, I think in total, was a little bigger than yours, but two classrooms. Like one. two in the eighth grade, there was two classes. One, my nigga. How many students? Twenty three. Twenty three. We had like forty. Oh shit! So it was fifteen and fifteen. So, but we had twenty three total students in my graduating class. I think not even. Only eighteen of us graduated. I gotta check that. One of my friends still got the graduation video. Yeah, the other five, the other five, they stayed back and they had to do summer school, so they didn't get to walk with us. But that's where I'm coming from, and so I go to the Met, and it's still a small high school, and it's like Anyway, I'm digressing like a motherfucker, but you just have to, if you work in education, if you work in youth development, if you work with our young people, you better mean that shit. Absolutely. You better mean that shit. And I that's think, all I'm going to say. I think what I'm going to say to you is that um, of all the, there's a lot of places that could use your passion and all of that stuff. And as far as you, as you've come in your um, current job, I think it's time for you to spread your wings. Of course. I know that. I feel that. And that's why I'm in the process of trying to do that. You know what I mean? It's going to suck. It's not going to feel good. Um, but if it did feel good, I wouldn't be human. You know what I mean? Um, I am emotional about the process because I've spent six years of my life at this place. Right. I know every name. Every I can. If you show me pictures of all the kids that went through my program in the last six years, that I, I can tell you all their first and last names. I can tell you how old they were when they went through my program. And I can't tell you where most of them are at now, but all I can do, what I can tell you who the hell they fucking were and what kind of grief they gave me when they were going through the retreat, uh, going through the retreats and stuff like that. I remember all of that shit. You know what I mean? Like I've been doing this shit so long, 2010, 2009, that I've been in the club and seen some of my kids in the motherfucking club. And they're like, how you doing, Wale? I'm, I'm like, so long. I'm like, what are you and, doing? And, you keep, and that needs to be longer. What the hell are you doing in here? I'm 23 now. Oh my god! How, bro? How the fuck are you 23, dog? I'm 30. Yeah, uh, you're old enough to be in here, and you got a drink. Smack the drink out of her. Like, I didn't smack it. I just picked it up. I took it out of her hand. And I, this is tequila. You drink tequila now? I was, I was stressed. I was like. All right, well, good to see you too. Be safe. Be safe. Be? There's a lot of be safe. There's a lot of fucking vultures out here. Mm-hmm. These niggas ain't shit. That's it. End of fucking statement. Okay, we gotta love you. It's so good to see you. Let's take a picture. No, fuck out of here. Get away. Like <laughs> I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? That shit is crazy. When I see the young man, it's like, young man, you still on the straight and narrow? Like, you still good? You still being positive? No, bro, how can I not be positive with you around? I'm not around like that. But when you see me in spaces like this, just know I'm here for one reason. Same reason you're here, to have a good time. This shit is not all of the all of the gl- uh, the glimmer and the fucking, the optics of what it looks like when you're out in the club as a professional. It's like most teachers, especially teachers, but most professionals who work with young people, they feel like they got to be like Diamond when she saw a professor in Players Club. 
You gotta run, run, run titties out into the into the back room. You don't gotta do that, Diamond. But understand, like I know life is real out here. So like again, doubling back, if y'all had teaching our youth, white, black, brown, or whatever, mean that shit, man. Don't just fucking do a seven to three. Like you don't have to make your job your fucking life, but it should be uh, at least twenty five percent of it. You should absolutely take some stress home from your job because you should be emotionally invested in your job. And if you're not, you're not doing it right. The problem is not in taking it home. The problem is in not knowing how to put it down after you've taken it home. Bars, more bars. And you know what helps with that? Therapy. And most of you niggas have insurance, health insurance. Find a therapist. If you don't know how to find one, openpathcollective.org can can help you out. You got to pay cash money, though. Venmo, Cash App, whatever. But 30... in, in all, all the things you invest in, right? You spend money on, on a lot of different things. Why not spend money on yourself and your mental health if bruh, you got to spend money? Bruh. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to... Well, all right, that's my right. check-in. The check-in was amazing. All right, so let's get into a topic. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. Before we get into that particular topic, Marlon Williams was on the Breakfast Club yesterday and today. I watched the I watched the whole thing. It's fine, it's fine. Because I'm only gonna pull out one thing from this. Um Marlon Williams said something very, very like very important about mental health. So he's in a new movie, Respect, with Jennifer Hudson, the Aretha Franklin biopic, and he plays her abusive partner. I didn't fucking know this. So that's kind of why I, I love Ew. It's out today, so we can go Sunday and go see that bitch. Uh, get a crew together and just go. Yeah. Um, so, and I want to go see in the link because I don't want to be around niggas. But <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So he plays her abusive partner. I forgot the guy's name, but he said something when Charlemagne asked him about what he did to prepare for that role because Marlon said he reached out to the to because the real life person he's still alive. Rita, God bless the dead. Our queen is no longer with us, but her ex-boyfriend, ex-partner is still alive. And he called this brother and asked him if he could sit down with him and interview him and talk to him about those times when Aretha was, you know, trying to become an artist and da 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 And he said, nigga, I don't want to talk to you like old black man voice. And he said, all right, cool. Well, I have trauma from my life that I can pull from to make this role as dramatic as it has to be. But what I'm not going to do is be so evil on screen that you learn to hate this character, this man that I'm playing. I'm going to do it in a way that you can see the humanity and you can understand the trauma that's underneath the layers of the mask that he has to wear to abuse Aretha and hold power over Aretha because he is insecure and, and, and traumatized by Everything that happened to him when he was a boy with his mother and with his father and with adults, I'm going to make you feel empathy for this character. I'm not going to make him look like Ike from, you know, What's Love Got to Do With It. People hated Lawrence Fishburne. He is a They still do. Uh, somebody could watch that today cold, never seen it before in their life. I fucking hate that guy. Like, but when Marlon, when Marlon said that, I'm like, he said, because we all pull from trauma, like, and he was like, we all pull from our traumatic experiences and our pain to create. All of us. 
And I'm like, it's true. For comedians, they, comedians harp on this shit too much. I don't pull from a lot of pain. I pull from just experience, like funny experiences and like unorthodox shit. The only reason why things can be funny is if you, you've been through some sort of pain where you can see the humor in something. 100%. But like a lot of comedians like to say, oh, a lot of comedy comes from pain. Like, yeah, there are a lot of comedians out here that have used their personal experience that's rooted in trauma to be funny mm -hmm. because they see the irony in it now that they're past it. But I don't do that. I like making fun of shit that people know. I like making fun of shit, uh, uh making fun of shit that, that's topical. Um, and I guess that makes me, and like even D Ray Davis, like he said something, he's like, yo, bro, I never wrote a set and like actually wrote a fucking set until I wanted to do my special. Cause Netflix offered me a bag. I didn't have a set. And so I had to go write 45 to 60 minutes so I could do my special. And this special is hilarious. And I think you should watch it. Because you're going to enjoy it. And it's super relatable. But, like, I'm more like a D-Ray. I don't write all the time. Like, before I got into the game, I wrote 100 jokes. Out of the 100 jokes, I probably only used 15 of them. That's all I need. 15 jokes. Each joke is, like, three minutes worth of material. So that's my 30 minutes right there. You got to do more than that. I don't have to. But eventually, the, the well will dry up and I have to move on to something else. But when but when to have an arsenal where you can put 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 together multiple specials. Yeah, exactly, and that's the goal. And so, like Marlon said, I just loved how he I loved how he presented it because he was like, "You guys are gonna feel for this character. You're not you're gonna feel for this man and where he was at because there was this happened when he was this age, and his father did this, and his mother did that, and he didn't want Aretha to blow up because." That would have made him less of a man, blah, 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 blah. And then we're talking the, the 60s, the 50s, you know what I mean? Like, we're talking 60 years ago. And he's 100% correct. One of the of the male ego exactly. in the United States. Women have no voice. Mm -hmm. So it all makes sense. And he's like, no, I, and I tapped into, like, my own personal childhood child. He said that when he was 18, he was doing stand-up, he was bombing. He was bombing. I forgot where the fuck he said he was, but... He was bombing, and he got heckled by Chris Tucker. I mean, not Chris Tucker, Chris Rock. He was like, he says, he's like, all right, what else I want to talk about? And then Chris Rock said, how about you tell some fucking jokes? How about you let us know what's funny? Like, that type of shit. And he quit stand-up for like 10 years after that. He didn't get back into it until after he was, until after he was considered an actor. I think, what, what movie? He said some movie. I was like, damn. I think it was White Chicks or some shit. Feels like it. Because when he heckled them, it was like 1994, 1995. Right before, like, Williams Brothers. Bro. He got heckled by Chris Rock and quit stand up for 10 years for a decade. And he was like, you know, you know, I'll get him back, though. When Chris is old and decrepit and he's on stage, you know, 10, 15 years from now, and he's trying to figure out what he wants to say. I was like, how about you tell us some jokes, you old nigga? Yeah, mm -hmm. He brought it up. It was funny. It was funny. But Marlon Wayans is one of those hidden gems. Like, we always forget about the Wayans family. And it's funny because my, me and my brother was just talking about Marlon Wayans. He's a hidden gem. Him, his whole entire family. He, he checked Char, uh, he checked Charlemagne in, uh, messy ass fucking Wendy Williams for cussing on him. For, for like, trash. yo, for being trash, but like also trashing his sister because. Something happened with Kim Wayans in the press 
before Charlamagne got to the Breakfast Club. They only been on for nine years, so this is probably like eleven years ago. And Marlon wasn't fucking with Charlamagne, and so the first time he went on Breakfast, before the first time he went on Breakfast Club, this is when Twitter was at its people. Fab was like the god of Twitter. Two thousand eleven, and him and Charlamagne went back and forth, and he killed Charlamagne. He's like, he's like Charlamagne got, and he brought it back in the interview. Mad times, you should. I'll send you the link, but you know where to find it. It's. I thought it was hilarious because when Charlamagne brought it up, Marlon remembered instantly what he had said, but he also didn't give a fuck that he said it because at the time, that's what he felt. That's what he meant. Exactly. At the time, that's what he felt. And Charlamagne was like, I had to get therapy because of you. And I was like, hallelujah. He said, nigga, you reached the peak of your life with what you're doing on the breakfast club. He, like, he tweeted that to him. It's like, man, that's all good. You can make fun of me being the youngest man, blah, blah, blah. But you've already peaked in life. <laughs> this is like 2011. You said this nigga got nothing to look forward to. <laughs> he said you've already peaked in life. And then what did Charlamagne do? He said, you, I, I use it as motivation. Like, you know, he wrote the two he wrote the two books with the third one pending, Black Effects podcast, blah, blah, blah. And now he's kind of like a little media mogul. But it was Marlon's words that let Charlemagne know, nigga, you're not even on my level. Mm-hmm. You can talk all the shit you want about me being the youngest Wayne's, the least talented Wayne's, the Wayne's that's in the media all the time because he doesn't have nothing to do, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm just the Wayne's who is such a hybrid that I cross over into this generation, but I'm still very much a part of the one before that. And you're just a hating ass clown. Exactly. What I was saying is in as many words. And so I just, I always find his breakfast club interviews would be so fucking pulling. And like the way he loves his daughter, D-Wade level. You know what I mean? Because his daughter came out three years ago and he wrote an Instagram post about it. And he supports her like a motherfucker. And um, he was before D-Wade, but he's not as polarizing, obviously. I mean, he is, but he's not. He's not as popular. I won't say polarized because the Wayans are definitely polarizing. But um. Yeah, it's just a good interview, man. And I, I apologize for not sending it to you, but I watched it this afternoon, and I didn't want to put anything else on your plate because I knew you had work. But appreciate that. We can go into detail more. Now he's talking about a lot of shit. But anyway, Justin Bieber. The song "Essence" by Wizkid. Yes. By Wizkid featuring Tab is has been um, remixed. Yes. With Justin Bieber with the middle verse. Yes. And how do you feel about it? Well, I'll go first. No, you you go first. I just talked a lot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the comments while you're talking about it. There's a couple things. I I want for Wizkid to be able to cross over and his music to be deemed universal. Yep. I also know that there's a certain way to do it. This has been a conversation in hip hop for a long time, and in, in black music in general for a long time, on whether or not you up you conform to the masses in order to appeal to the masses. Yep. Because if you're doing things the right way, what happens is the masses will conform to you. That is very, very true. Now, I don't know if Justin Bieber asked to be on the remix or they asked Justin Bieber to be on the remix. Because I could be wrong, and it could be that the masses are appealing to um, Wizkid in the form of Justin Bieber um, wanting to be on the track. Wanting to be on the remix. Versus them going to him. That could have been it. I don't know the story of what happened, but I also know that there's plenty of 
artists, the way that hip hop began and, and black music has thrived and survived throughout the years and has grown to the point where it is to where we can place on something like the pop charts, yep. which was all white for decades. Um, since music has been produced only in the last about it was 2020. So I'm going to say the last four years. Okay. Have we had um, full integration within the um, the pop charts, right? So yeah. you have, when, you, when we talked about the smaller charts of the R&B and hip hop, before that it was the jazz, it was the, but you didn't chart on the same charts because the same people weren't listening to the music because exactly. you were so different. Yep. So, and if you crossed over, you were pop. You were no longer whatever you started out to be. It became a time, at the, at the 1% of time, the Peace God and all of that time, it became like, I'm not going to be the common, the Erica Badu, the um, Eric B and Rakim towards the, you know, the end of it, the yeah. KRS one, all of those times, with those times came a desire to not be so mainstream, mm-hmm. i.e. the roots, um, your favorite underground artist, you know what I mean? Um, came a time where it was like, I'm going to make my money regardless. I don't need to cross over in order to do that. Absolutely. So the question becomes, where do you have more respect when you can work with anyone? Yeah. Or more respect when you do it on your own. And I don't know how I feel about the song in that way because I don't know the story. I don't know if Justin Bieber came to them and said, this time is dope. Can I be a part of it? Sure. I don't know if they came to Justin Bieber. I don't know if it was something within the label. Are they on the same label? I don't honestly know. No, they're not. Whiskit okay, so Whis- different- Whis- Whis- is indie. You he's independent. Look? So there's a I'll chance- look it up. I'll double check, but most, I'm pretty sure he's indie. Most people would assume... Right, that the indie person has to come to the um, superstar, megastar. He's a megastar. He's a megastar. It is what it is. I guess. Um, most people would assume that 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 the indie person has to come to the megastar. However, there are times when a megastar will come to an indie artist, and if Justin Bieber came to the indie artist in a format of not a Drake coming to Wizkid. But uh, 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 just to be like, let me be on your song. Yeah, there's a difference to saying let me be on your song versus I like your song. You should be on mine. True, very true. So yeah, with with that being said, I don't know how I feel about the song, but I love the fact that Wiz Kid is associated with RCA and three other uh, three other labels, labels that are not yeah that are not the labels that Justin Bieber's on. That just he's uh, he's recruit. on he's They're on Def Jam. Um, but the association means they're trying to recruit him. He's like, oh no, you can't have all of me, but you got peace. That's how you do indie, right? But um, <laughs> he's real. on Def Jam because his manager Scooter Braun, and then the main label that Wizkid is on is Starboy Entertainment, which is a subsidiary of RCA. And this, uh, the, so it's like a Rockefeller Young Money. I don't know. Bad boy. I don't know. They label, all started. They all started. But they're not on the same label. They're not label mates. Okay. They're not yeah. label mates. What I'm what I'm essentially trying to say with this is, if it went the way that Wizkid didn't have to. Um, sacrifice anything that he knows to be true to him, I'm here for it. But if somebody came to him and said, this is going to happen regardless, or he said, somebody came to him, he came to somebody and said, I need this to happen because of this, one has more respect, one has less respect. I can't say why, and I don't know if that's a reflection of how we treat each other as black people in America, but I have, I'm, I love authenticity to the point where you don't feel like you need to sacrifice something i wouldn't work with someone that i that i vehemently disagreed with in terms of their morals and their characters um but that's how strongly some people feel about justin bieber yeah so if he was ever one of those people who felt that strongly about justin bieber and collaborated with him anyway i have less respect for him i feel you 
I agree with that too. I, I we I also don't know, but I'm gonna assume that Wizkid did this as a way to cross over his team, if not him personally. Because I just, you know, the music industry, I've been exposed to it a lot through Nice and Franchise and Half Pine and all these older older motherfuckers that have been a part of it. And I just, I feel like this is definitely a strategy to take this song and keep it at number one for like another six weeks. That's what it feels like to me. Well, there's another flex on this song because he has like six or seven lyricists on the track. Yeah, 100%. And what's kid is amazing, and the song ain't going nowhere. Anytime an Afro beat jam like this slaps, it's the song of the summer. No fucking questions asked. No song is fucking with the song, but it's also the song of the fall. It's also the song of next fucking spring. It's gonna be very hard for him to take this song and replace it with another jam. It's gonna for him as the artist who put it out, mm-hmm. let alone anyone else. So throwing Justin Bieber. There might be two more remixes that happen with this bitch. There should be multiple remixes that happen. Yeah, of course. It's fire. The flow is crazy. Bro. Crazy. crazy. It's, it's one of those jokes where if you heard just the vocals, you'd be good. If you heard just the beat on something else, you'd be good. It's, it's one of those yeah. songs that could be on mixtapes to other beats. It's um, musical genius, if you ask me. 100%. Yo, imagine Jeremiah on this shit. On one of the remixes. Jeremiah, like, Ty Dallas on... You throw Ty in there just to say, like, it's four bars, nigga. Oh, you hear what Ty said? That nigga had four bars, and I'm losing it. Dick hard for no reason. Pause. I'm, I'm, I'm voting for the remix to have. Ty Dolla Signs, Jeremiah, and Drake. Shit. Drake is, it's going to happen. Or he'll do his own version, like Tory Lanez did his own version of Controller. He's going to do his own, Yo, you and know he's going to be next week? They, This is towards each other, him and Cassidy. Tori Lane and Cassidy got dropped this track. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. Okay, gotcha. Um, but yeah, man, just these are just some of the comments from the Shade Room post 14 hours ago. Um, and most of the women that were on the fucking comments said the same shit. We didn't need no other body on the song. And that was pretty much how it went for a long time. Uh, there was another young lady that said, Whiskey said he wanted to expand the fan base. So he just got Justin Bieber on the song. I ain't mad at it. Queen, I agree with you. And then uh, somebody, some random <laughs> dude said, nobody else was available. That nigga can eat a dick forever. Stop hating. Um, and then more people saying, we didn't need no other body. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible fun. Uh, somebody said, was Jimmy on? Yeah, was Jimmy on? Yeah, was Jimmy on not available? Jimmy on would be terrible on this song. Just saying. I, I love Jimmy on. No. Just no. It doesn't work. You know, his voice is too deep. I don't know if he knows how to ride this type of beat. No, he's a slow singer. He's super slow. And this is up-tempo. This is like boom, doom, ch- boom, I also boom. haven't heard all of all of Jibion's music, so maybe he got some tracks on the mixtape that's a little upbeat. Man, you can try. You can <laughs> go ahead. Uh, somebody, <laughs> somebody else said, not here for it. This song ain't, ain't need no remix. <laughs> it doesn't like, yeah. I'm, or, I'm, I'm already knowing Justin was going to go crazy with it. Y'all was hating yesterday, though. Uh... It's just crazy. It didn't re- it didn't need a remix, but I still but I'll still take it. The Beeps understood the assignment. I love his voice. So it's it's mixed. It's mixed as anything in black culture. And it was one of the comments is just like, yo man, sometimes we just need to keep things to ourselves. And that includes things that are just blackity black. And I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with that at all. Um I think that that's 
that's what it should be. You know what I mean? Like we should have some things that are just for us. And Justin Bieber doesn't need to cross over into Afro Beats because he's fucking Justin Bieber. This is the guy who bought you baby, 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 uh, and girlfriend, and then, then, and like, you know, that Georgia shit, Peaches, that shit's a banger, but we don't need you on shit like this. I understand why, because of the crossover and Woods Kid trying to be a real, like, he's international, but you're not international until you have the U.S. charts. And that's the thing about the music business that's so fucking insidious and gets so crazy because if you don't, then does it didn't even count? Like, does it even matter? Probably not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that interesting. Uh, I'm for it and not for it at the same time. I'm happy that the song is still going to fucking slap. So it doesn't, none of that other shit matters. But yeah, let's transition into something a little more. So bottom line is, if he if he sacrifices morals in order to get to the the feature, less respect. For my Nigerian brother, according to you, for me, I get the assignment. I don't think he asked Justin Bieber to do this. I think he under. I think it. Oh yeah, wait. Are you talking about less respect for Justin Bieber? Less respect for Wizkid. No, no, no. I'm saying it's a, it's a good song. It's a good business choice. But I don't I don't approve of any business that makes you sacrifice your. So who is the person that holds down on that? Is what's kid adjusting Bieber? If he sacrificed his morals, if Wizkid sacrifices his morals, he holds the L. But it depends on how he feels. If he feels like this is always what he's wanted to do and this is not a switch up just for that, yeah. you get what I mean. I don't think the integrity of the, of, of the song changed, which is why I feel like, if anything, regardless of who initiated the conversation to, to create this remix, Jay Beams holds that. Because he's white. And he doesn't need to be well, on the song. Do his... He don't need to be on the song. Right. He doesn't. He does not need to be there. I, like, but I, it's, like, thing, it's like... It, this, thing, but he wouldn't be there if somebody didn't invite him. Or at least welcome him. With kids management. But now, you had... Did you have to confer with WizKid? No, you don't. Sometimes people will book me for shows, and I'm like, nigga, I didn't agree to do that. But you know, bro, we need you on the show. Whatever, I'll do it. But sometimes your your team just goes, and they don't consult with you. Like, it happens. We're not not on that that level. That very much could have happened, only for the sake. The only reason why I say that is because his verses unchanged and Tim's verses unchanged. Yeah, it's a remix. So, it's not supposed to no, be. You no, just no. added No, 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 no. Because on remixes, when we did remixes in the 90s and the 2000s, they Sometimes. switched up the verses. Sometimes. At least at the end of the verse that yeah. we Yeah, they added the like another verse. four, six bars. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what tells you they're excited about somebody being on a track. Yeah, yeah. You got to add something because like, I added some, but what this nigga added is great. It didn't happen. I, I feel like this is one of okay, those. Okay, I can feel that. I can, I can yeah. feel that. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. That's why I don't want to speculate. The way that I'm going to do this, I'm all black everything. Until the day I die, right. J Beebs, the Beebs holds this L. But I think because I think he's you, he. Are, this is the this is like one of those little those animated pictures. What does not what does not belong? J Beebs doesn't belong. That's it. That's all. I, that's it. I'm not overthinking nothing. All 2021, 20, 22, 23. I'm not overthinking nothing. I'm not. It is. Which it is. one of these things is not like the other? Is yeah. Which one saying? of these things is not like the other? Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm not doing all that. You got it. He don't belong on the song. But the fact that he is, we're going to celebrate. Ha ha. 
if that's just number one on Monday. We're gonna celebrate chart topping. Exactly, baby. Um, so yeah. Transitioning into a video from a video reaction from two of our favorite Canadian comedians, well Canada based comedians, Ivan Preach. They watched a snippet of an interview with Charlamagne Tha God and Andrew Schultz on the Brady Idiots podcast. I forgot what the young lady's name is, but Me she's too. huh? I forgot her name too. Yeah, it don't it don't it, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and you know, Charlamagne asked her what kind of men she dates and she told them and you know, she's like, I'm more like the homie. I'm like funny and I'm da 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 and this, that and the third and basically said, you know, she can never really have like a stable, committed relationship because she's like the homie. Um and then Charlemagne unpacked it and was just like, yo, so tell us the type of guys that you date. Like, uh, ball players and athletes and typical. And she doesn't look like, I mean, she, she doesn't look like what athletes typically go for, but I, it makes sense because there's a lot of these niggas that, that just, they'll fuck anything. And that's their, their prerogative. But she's also, I think she's in the industry as a, I don't know if she's a publicist or something. I need to do more research, but I think. Because she's not on the brilliant idiots. It was, idiots it was less about her than it was about the things that they were actually talking about. Exactly. And that's why we don't know who this young woman is. Yeah, in the snippet. Because we didn't do none of that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so she basically said that she's got a sharp tongue, which doesn't need to be said. We all know all of our sisters, all of our black queens have sharp tongues. And that she uses personal information against men that she dates. Also something that she doesn't need to say because I assume that all the time. Of every woman? Huh? Of every woman? I assume that of 97% of y'all. And the 3%. Seriously? 100%. My mom does that to me. She did that to me yesterday, nigga. You're not exempt. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's just what it is. It's what that's I come. That's interesting. It, that's the fucking. That's a trauma response. That's not a trauma response. That's my truth. It's until until you motherfuckers show me otherwise, that's what it is. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm that sure you have trauma responses. No, it's not a trauma response. It's legit. I have never, ever, ever been presented with in an argument or a disagreement with a woman and something personal that was shared did not come back to bite me in the ass. Ever. Ever. Of course, we had an argument. Nigga, you are, again, I said 97%. Okay. But I'm telling you, there's other people. And you have done that. When? You have done that. We ain't about to do this in, in front of you company. You can write it the fuck down. We're not about because to do I that in front of company. You you, nigga, you did it last down. month. If I'm keeping it, a th- you did it last month. Did bro. I? 100%. That's but why. It's not about you. It's about the topic at hand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this young lady said she was dating a guy. He inclo- he uh, he shared with her that he may or may not have a child with another woman, but wasn't sure because of her promiscuity. Is that the right word? Promiscuity. Bomb. And yeah, he shared that with her. And, you know, she took it in. Like, oh my God, it's crazy. And they got into an argument not not uh, not too far after, and she threw that shit in his face. He like mentioned something about the kid and said, "Oh, I might have to, I have to do this for so and so." They got into an argument. Yeah, something he had to do for the kid. Yeah, and she's like, "Motherfucker, that ain't even your kid." 
And he was like, damn, I'd rather say I'm a piece of shit or I'm this or I'm that than to say that. Like, why would you go straight to that? And so I've been preach react. We don't care about the reaction. We want to talk about the deed that was done. Mm-hmm. Why do some women do that? White, black, brown, Puerto Rican, it don't matter. Why do women take that valuable information and feel like it's cool to throw that back at somebody's face and rub rub their nose in it? Like, where does that come from? We ask our resident, uh, our resident woman, our resident female, our resident queen who identifies as she, her, and hers. <laughs> Um, I will say I can't speak for every woman, but what I will say is just like men use things to their advantage, women are going to think use things to their advantage. Yep. Men will use physical and brute strength and, um, you know, those biological things that they're blessed with, um, that women are not necessarily blessed with because I believe it's a yin yang kind of thing. Women balance men like men balance women. So there's things that men have to have in order to be a balance and you know, however any relationship works. You have a balance of masculine and feminine. You have a balance of ability. You have a balance of those types of things. So I think that um, when you're, when you know what, when you're a woman, you're innately a little bit more emotional and you understand emotions better. So you can use that for good or you can use it for evil. And when somebody, when you feel like you need to protect yourself against someone, you're going to try to use everything that you have in your arsenal so that they hurt just as much as they hurt you or they hurt before they're able to hurt you. True that. So, um, me personally, I'm not a fan of that, but you said that I've done it before. So I would love to know about that off the air. Um, but <clears throat> even when I thought that, cause I, I, I make it no secret on this podcast that I, I used to think that guys didn't have feelings and that they shouldn't have feelings. You remember that conversation? Yeah. So, Odelia Jr. Um, so if you could think that, why would you think that you've never been somebody who's did what this young lady did? Because I know I never done that. Because regardless of if you have feelings or not, I'm not going to be the type of person to. I never want you to feel horrible. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. I'll put my hands on you before I bring up something that you share with me in confidence. Sounds very traumatic. That sounds like a traumatic response. Instead of using is. words, you're going to fight somebody. It is. But before before I say. But my, my number one thing is to walk away. You know this, so don't play me on the podcast. I'm not trying to play you. I'm asking questions for, our, for is, our listeners because they don't thing, know. My number one thing is to walk away. But if you get me to the point where I you you divulge private things to me, I still I have people who have betrayed me to this day, and I keep their secrets to myself. Because to me, if you shared whatever you shared with me, it was different from the position that you took when when you decided that I wasn't the one for you. And I'm never I'm gonna assume that you won't share my shit. But even if you do. It's not in me it to do that you. because it can't hurt you. Though. But first of all, I live in my truth. Goddamn it, I live in my whole truth. First verse. Um. <laughs> so, but my whole thing is like, I don't, I don't, especially with a man being vulnerable. I would never say like I had, a, I had an ex who cheated on me. I could have aired him out to everybody. I could have said he did a, uh, uh. And my thing is like, nope. I just don't want nothing to do with you. Yeah. Because that's more be. of a punishment. But I'm not. If you say to me, like, some people have, like, fears that other deem as irrational. If you tell me about an irrational fear that you can't tell anybody else about because of the fact that you know people will judge you because it's deemed by society as being irrational, I have no business bringing that up because I'm mad at you. If I'm mad at you and and you say something to hurt me, I'm more backing up for the simple fact that I didn't think you was the type of person to try to hurt me. 100%. I agree. 
I agree with that 100%, man. And that's how it should be. But I can understand why somebody would do that as a, a response to um, self-preservation and or trauma. So I want to preserve myself. But it takes a certain level of um, maturity to be able to realize that just because you feel hurt doesn't mean that others should. And just because you don't want to feel hurt doesn't mean you have to inflict it on somebody else first. 100%. But a lot of people don't have that self-awareness because maturity is a good word. Self-awareness is like the target. And some people don't have that. Some people just want to watch the world burn like the Joker in the mm-hmm. Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Like some people just want to create more chaos because they love basking in the drama. You know what I mean? And most times it's women. And then most times it's also men. I think it's 50-50. I think there's a lot of men who do this as well. So I'm not going to put this on, on, on the sisters. Um, we have to get to a place where you know, having these uncomfortable conversations and working through things that our partners or our friends or the people that we have intimate relationships with that we don't uh, like, we just have to have them. I, who gives a fuck if we don't like having uncomfortable conversations? Have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because when you don't, all of these other problems arise. Right. And like, you know, there's a trust factor with not feeling like you can tell Absolutely. somebody something because they're going to throw it back in your face. However, on the flip side of that, if you've put all of your eggs in one basket and this is the only person you can tell personal things to, then you're an idiot because you set yourself up for failure. Yeah, because when they let you down, you fall hard. Exactly. And that's what a lot of men do when it comes to intimate relationships. As soon as I heard this, I was like, all right, this is more of the same. It's just, you know, it's a different, different woman saying it, different scenario, blah, blah, blah. But... Men have to get to a point, and I'm talking all men. I'm talking all fucking men of all ethnicities, all melanins. Excuse me. All men have to get to a point where they can express themselves to their to their friends who are male, their their family members who are male, their family members who are female, their family the girls that they date, the women that are their friends and they're just like sis, whatever. Regardless if y'all had sex or not, don't matter. You guys got to get used to talking about your emotions and your feelings to somebody other than your significant other because that shit is not going to be forever. Very rarely is it forever. With more than 50% of all marriages in divorce since 1972. 1972. Y'all sit there and y'all let that marinate a little bit. 1972. Since the year 1972. Somebody born in 1972 will be... She's the math wizard. 50 next year. Bro, so for all, almost 50 years, marriage has been in the, in the, on the decline, in divorce, because there's so many fucking humans that don't know how to interact with other humans. Just because you marry somebody or they're your boyfriend or girlfriend does not mean that they're without flaws. And mm. when their flaws pop up, just because they weren't present in the puppy dog phase does not mean that you can't address them now. Well, that's the biggest thing. I feel like people, we've been told a dream, both males and females. Mm-hmm. We've been told a dream. Males from the perspective of, of uh, sexual gratification. Yep. So I find the woman who gives me what I need better than any other female has ever given it to me. So this must be the person that I have to spend my life with because I can't imagine her giving it to somebody else. Yeah. Or as a female, this guy feels like he's the one for me. Either he's attractive or he speaks to something within you that feel, makes you feel like you're you're more complete because of it. And then you paint this picture of this person as being something perfect and you ignore the red flags and you 
traumatize yourself to the point where what could have been a small disagreement becomes a big argument. Yeah. And now we're 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 fussing and fighting over towels. Like I feel like Or the trash. Or the trash. Trash is always something, the thing. something that's super small because as as you guys you guys get the five years in and being together and you're arguing about the trash when in the beginning all you had to say was this is how I view things. Can we come to an agreement about the trash? But yeah. you ignored the fact that he didn't take out the trash for the first four years because you were fucking enamored. Enamored, mm-hmm. engrossed in everything this person. Mm-hmm. And now you see that this person does this or this person does that. And it's like, that's a red flag now, but it wasn't a red flag when it was happening because people don't miraculously change. You were digmatized. You, if you pay attention to someone for who they are, you recognize what they bring to the table. 100%. You understand the asshole versions of them. You understand all of those things and you choose to accept it. You don't choose to accept the, the, the pretty version that they present on the first date or the second date or the third date or whatever interaction it takes for them to be their actual selves because everybody has different numbers of which interaction they decide to be themselves. But people always show who they actually are. Always, man. And always. you just got to you gotta pay it. Like you said, you got to pay attention. But like you're a behavioral therapist, so you do this shit better than anyone else because you that's your profession. You've always had that as a person before it became your uh, profession. You've put more than 10,000 hours in, so you're an expert. A lot of people don't pay attention to the, their surroundings. And um, there was something that I watched earlier this week. I forgot. I don't know if it was a movie or a documentary. No, it was a documentary. I watched a documentary on Netflix. Uh, it was uh, about the, the malice at the palace of Owen Hills in Detroit. Uh, Ron Artest versus Ben Wallace, Detroit Pistons versus Dan and Ian Pacers, 2004. Forgot the date, doesn't matter. Right. But um, I think Jermaine O'Neal talked about. Um, I will forever remember Jermaine O'Neal with braids. Yeah, him with, <laughs> him with a regular season is crazy. It's crazy. But he's bald, so. Yeah, but, yeah, he's, but he's I, a, I knew he was going to go bald, but I forever remember him like. Braids. His braids are, were trash. The hang time is right here. But that's neither <laughs> Not right here. Yeah, it was right here. It was right here. But neither. listen to this. He, he, he went to an eight head. He Yo, his braids went to an eight head. This shit was right here. That's where the cornrow started. <laughs> and they ended down here. He had a decent hang time, but where they started was really bad. But, um, you know, he was one of the first guys to come out of high school. He was in the NBA team, blah, 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 blah. Neither here nor there. But one of the things that he explained was like, yo, where I came from, um, it was him and Ron Artest. They both said, and Stephen Jackson. They all said similar things. You, where I grew up in the cafeteria in my middle school, you had to like sit with your back against the wall so you could see everything that's happening around you and be as close as you can to the exit. Only hood niggas that are in the fucking shits do that. You know what I'm saying? And so they're hood niggas at heart, and they can't. Of course, I got you. No, 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 no. no, no. They're hood niggas at heart. I want the one that you had, and yeah. you should get the one, one that of... you had. No, pineapple, you'll die. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he was breaking all of that down when it came to the brawl. And how it all went down was really crazy. Um, Ron Artest and the, the Pacers and the Pistons the year before. Don't worry about it. I'm good. I'll finish it. Um, they got into, they went to the East Coast Finals. They battled. Uh, Detroit beat them in six games. Ended up going to the finals, beating the Lakers, winning the 2004 championship, and they were the reigning champs. Um, fast forward to the following season. You know, Indy meets them again. 
uh, Reggie Miller, Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson, Jamal Tinsley. They had a fucking squad. This is a squad. <laughs> and they were the be- they were the best team on the East. They just fell apart in the playoffs. But they wanted to win that year, and they wanted to beat Detroit because Detroit had beat them in the playoffs for Reggie. This was like Reggie's last hurrah. They came up short. But during the game, they beat them. Indiana was up 15. Um, ben Wallace had a hard foul on Ron Artest with like maybe two, three minutes left. And Jamal Tinsley looked at Ron Artest um, when somebody from the Pistons was on the line, he was like, yo, bro, you can get your foul back now. They walked 15, and it was only like 46 seconds left in the game. And Steven Jackson's reaction, like, they they went from the game to him saying, yo. And then they fucking flash forwarded to Steven Jackson. Like, why are you telling this nigga that? Why are you telling Ron that? He's the last person you, you don't need to put a battery in his back for him to do some wild shit. But. So, Naturally, after the free throws were done, ball comes down. Um, Detroit has the ball. Ben Wallace gets the ball in the paint. He goes up for a layup, does a move to get around uh, Jermaine O'Neal. As soon as the layup goes up, it's already, the ball's already out of his hands. Ron Artest pushes, pushes this nigga into the crowd. Like, full-on two hands. Ha! And as soon as Ben Wallace recovered, whatever, I mean, he like he pushed him, but he made it look like a foul. Like he like pushed him in his back, like, eh, but like he put his right hand up so it looked like he was going for a ball, and it wasn't a flagrant; it was just a hard foul. Ben Wallace gets up, shakes his shoulders off, does a little gangster shoulder shrug, runs right up to Ron Artest. Pushes this nigga as hard as he can in his chest. Ah, threw that nigga back about five and a half, six feet. And they didn't do that yet. He pushed him first, and then he threw his shit up. And then they were about to go. They were about to square up. And everybody got, like, mad niggas came out of the world. I don't even know. I didn't even know there was this many players on the court. Niggas with their warm-ups on came out of nowhere to hold Ben and Rep. Yo, the injury reserve niggas, coaches, everybody. It's crazy. And so... As that shit was simmering down, crazy ass Ron Artest, also known as Metal World Peace today, goes to the scorer's table. And this nigga sits down and pops a squat. Lays down on the scorer's table in Detroit. I remember this. They're not in Indiana. I remember this. Lays down, puts his hands, folds his hands behind his head, and he's laying down. Everybody's holding it, handling his work. You know, the coaches are trying to calm down Ben. Other other players are upset. Coaches are pissed off. Blah, blah. And Ron is in his So own, you're saying he's a joker. Yo, this nigga's in his own world for a good 25 to 30 seconds. And then it happened. And in the documentary, they slow-mo this shit. A white dude that's a piece of shit. He's also a Detroit fan. Threw a, a can of beer that was about this tall. I remember this. Threw this shit. It hit Ron on his chest. And Ron got up, looked in the general direction of where it was. Went to the stands immediately and beat up the two niggas that were to the right or his left of the nigga that actually threw the beer. And it started a whole brawl. But long story less long. Long story less long. Um, I learned from that documentary that 
we have to gather information and, and put together all the facts before we make a decision. Because there was a lot of shit that happened after that. They all went to criminal court. All the players. Steven Jackson, Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal is the only one who got his uh, his sentence um, cut off. Like, it got shortened. He's the only one. Steven Jackson's like, I did what I did. I followed my brother. And I held him down. So I don't feel bad about nothing. Steven Jackson went up right there with Ron and was throwing punches and bop, 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 bop. And even when he left, when they left, they threw so much beer and spit on these niggas and all this shit. Some nigga threw a chair at Jermaine O'Neal. It was crazy. But when they left, when they were walking out of the arena, Ron Artest was first, and one of the coaches had this nigga in like a full Nelson. He's like, I can walk. I'm good. I can walk. He's like, I, I can walk. Had it, both hands on his face like, no, nigga. I wonder if coaches are restraint trained. They're not. <laughs> no, the hell no, they're not. It looked like this nigga was trying to break this nigga Ron Artest's neck. But Steven Jackson... Came right behind him, took his jersey off, and was like, nigga, we ride together. And, like, he just looked like a crazy nigga from the hood. But he's right. We ride together. And even in the documentary, he was on the play. Like, at the fucking time. No. Even to this day, I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I ride for what brothers. I ride for my brother. What I did was the right thing to do. Everybody on that team were my brothers. I'm going to ride for them. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of why Kwame Brown came at your ass. Because you a nigga. You know what I mean? But what was interesting about that is how the media flipped it and completely forgot about the fan throwing the beer, completely forgot about fans going on the floor to challenge the players to a fucking duel and getting punched in the face as a result of that. And they, the whole narrative change was like, NBA players are thugs. These, these, these NBA prima donnas, they don't know consequence. These gazillionaire, these gazillionaire uh, athletes are prima donnas, and they don't know any better, and blah, blah, blah. And Jermaine, all these guys are like, yo, what the fuck? So so fans can just walk onto the fucking court and and, and put their shits up? Like, the nigga who stepped around that test was interviewed, and he was in the documentary. I'm like, why? You got put in the hospital, bro. They put you in the hospital. He punched you one time, and you were, getting, you were in the documentary with a brace on your neck, on a stretcher, being put into an ambulance because he was trying to sue, and he ended up having to pay fines because he had, it was like, missed, uh, felony assault, all this shit because he walked, this nigga walked up around our test like, what's up? The little Spanish, little fat Spanish nigga with a Pistons jersey on. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? So, the whole shit was crazy, bro. I don't even know why the fuck he probably was. was. Anyway. Um, we're, we're talking about egos and hurting other people and yeah, all of yeah. those things. I but Ron Artest was hurt. That was the point. Right. Ron Artest was hurt. He was in therapy at the time. He had a lot going on. And he just he just never felt whole. And like basketball was the only thing that gave him peace. But he was also a fucking dog. Rabid dog. So do you feel like women who who exhibit these types of behaviors where a man will confide in them and then um, they'll use it against him or in the run our test mindset? I think some of them are, yeah, because they don't. there's no logic behind it. They're doing it because they know they can do it and get away with it. Mm. You know what I mean? Because what's the worst a guy's going to do? Unless he's has no respect for himself and he's uh, if, if the guy is super hurt, he will put hands on you. Like, hood niggas will put their hands on you. Because hood niggas have trauma. And hood niggas don't go to therapists. But if he's a You know good, what the problem is? Go ahead. Hood niggas black out. Hood women black out. 
Hood, yeah. Sorry, hood bitches black up. We're gonna say bitches. Yes. We're not saying niggas. We might say bitches. Exactly. Hood bitches black up. Hood niggas black up. Um. So, while we have to stop the cycle of creating this trauma that allows for this type of mindset to um exist to infiltrate yeah. our culture. Mm-hmm. We do, and it starts with all of us. You know what I mean? And this young lady, she just proved that she ain't shit. Um, at the time, Ron Artes proved that he ain't shit either because there was no need for him to fight. There's no, you don't need to get revenge. Like, you're up 15 points. It's one thing if you're down because now I know, even if you're down, because now I know you're a sore loser if you do that, if you're down. But you're up. You won. What's worse than a sore loser? A braggadocious winner. Yeah, 100%. And not for nothing, there's a lot of people that don't know how to fucking win when they do. They don't know how to carry themselves when they win. So it's like, you know, you guys lost to them in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals. If you would have, and everybody in the NBA was like, yo, whoever comes out the East is winning the championship. And Detroit won the championship. So you were bitter about that. And you guys seen them again. You played your ass off. You cooked personally. Ron Artest was the player of the game. He had like 25 points. He had like eight rebounds, six, seven assists. He cooked. But it's hard because the reason why the top players are the top players is because they have that that situation where they go they go super saiyan, if, if, if for, for lack of a better term. Yeah. They, they have that point where their game faces on and nothing's turning it off until they get that W. And that kind of mentality has been for lack of a better term, pirated from black kids who experienced trauma and their only outlet was sports. True that. So when we get when we talk about something like that, I think it's 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 mainstream media, colleges, universities, the society as it as it stands, benefiting from the trauma of black bodies and the physical um, athleticism of black bodies. True that. Bars, man. But um yeah, to all the women who date professional athletes, if you're going to pretend to like these niggas, if you're going to pretend to fucking care for them so you can make money and shit like that, when they confide in you with real personal stuff and you try to throw that shit back in their face, remember who pays your bills, bitch. Remember who keeps you draped in Giuseppe and Gucci and Louis and all that other bullshit that y'all like and Goyard bags and remember... Before you fucking think that it's cute to get slick of the tongue, remember who pays your bills. Remember who caters to your livelihood. I'm talking about the Jasmine Blues of the world. Because you bitches be forgetting quick. You don't have any skills. You don't have any talent. You don't have... A, a lot of y'all don't. Some do. Suck a dick in a talent, though. You can't take that to Pfizer or to fucking Reebok and be like, hey, let me be your marketer. What you gonna do? Suck dick of the CEO of Puma and get that nigga to... No. What are you going to do? You're going to fuck that nigga so he can collaborate? No. Some of y'all don't have any tangible skills that can be used and turned into motherfucking dollars. Y'all can't go into a boardroom with all corporate niggas and that, sign that, a that million dollar bill. That goes for the bill. males as well who think they can make a bag out of laying dick. Yeah, laying dick, fuck niggas, for sure. 100%. We didn't I forget... For our listeners, yeah, yo, I have to we didn't. I didn't forget about the fuck niggas, but because this is a woman who's using because niggas. But a fuck. But when we think about um, when we think about people, we have to stop thinking about people as this woman does this and this man does that because because we all do the same shit. Yeah, these niggas do it. These niggas one hundred percent do it. But 
a nigga wasn't at the focal point of this video. No, no, no I'm just saying. Yeah, hundred percent. If we're gonna, people need to know that we are we're equal, equal opportunity, opportunity haters. haters. Yeah, like, we, we got equally hate on on women who ain't doing the right shit and men who ain't doing the right shit. The pregame podcast is an equal opportunity bias fit. Hundred percent. Yep. E O F S, bitch ass niggas. <laughs> but yeah, yo, just do better. Everyone do better. All these scammers, all these motherfuckers that are trying to. You know, date up so they don't have to work. Male, female, these fuck boys, these fucking, you know, city girl bitches. You think about the people that you're following and look at their lives and look at what they actually do. The city girls don't scam no more. Cardi B don't drug niggas and, and rob them no more. No, because that was a means to an end. It was never supposed to be a profession. It's not something that you live your life by. It was never by. supposed to be a passion. Let's yeah. that way. Or a lifestyle. It's not right. a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle. It's a means to an end, like Bree said, and it's also survival of the fittest but mm. once you get to a point where you're not in survival mode all of that bad shit's supposed to stop including the, the 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 emotional behaviors that come with it like pretending to like somebody that you don't really like because you want to get whatever the fuck they have from them so you can boister your life and you know live on a level that you wouldn't be without them mm. fuck all that and that's male mm. and female mm. you know what i'm saying so mm. niggas hold that yeah, niggas, stop driving a girl's car and, and staying home when you ain't got no fucking job and you're selling nickel bags of weed, bum-ass nigga. Hold that. Girls who don't want to work retail, who don't want to fucking whatever, stop using these drug-dealing-ass niggas that sell cocaine and clear five racks a week. Stop using these niggas, bro. Because when they get knocked off, what are you going to do? Go to the next nigga? Go to one of their boys? Oh, my bad. You will. You're Bars. a fucking hoe. Stop doing that. Nah, be, be, be true to yourself before you try to be right or die for something or somebody else. It's, it's the love of the dollar. It's trash. And, and only America can produce that because I don't think it's that bad. I don't think bad. so. I don't think so. I mean, we got to go to Europe to see if it's really true. If we go there, because they're There's the no ones way. who bred the There's no thing. way that, that American society is the most widespread culture throughout the entire world and nobody else thinks like this. No, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, well, we see what the media shows us, what our media shows us. We, I'm we sure it happens in the UK. Right. I'm sure it happens in Europe, but like at the same clip, I don't know. There's more of us here than there are over there. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in the in the business of uh, saying my own is the worst. Um, only because I'm I not have, one of these niggas. I'm a U.S. citizen. I have. I have to decide. I have to acknowledge the fact that this is the area in which I grew up in. And though my my customs and all those things came from my family, I am still very much impacted by the United States of America. Of course, so same. same. Yeah, people people move here intentionally, <laughs> so we have to kind of give you know. Yeah, we, it, it ain't we can bullshit. we can move around a little more free here than we can in other places for right. sure. But we'll leave it there, man. We'll all leave right. it there. Stop doing that stupid shit. Um, Kick man. So, yeah. Uh, so. Our favorite celebrity, <laughs> air quotation marks. Listen, two of our favorite celebrities had a had a back and forth. This Charlamagne and and Kick Nannan. Kick Nannan, yes. On the Breakfast Club, Kick Nannan was interviewed this week because of his new movie She Ball and Wilding Out, the new season and all the being launched. Yep, and uh, that was the 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 beginning of the conversation. He has seven children now with five different women, I believe. Only two of them are with his original wife. Uh, the Queen Mariah Carey. Uh, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> and they asked a bunch of questions. It was Charlotte. Was it Charlemagne? 
It was Charlamagne and Envy. No, Charlamagne and Angela Yee. No, that it was Charlamagne and Envy. Oh yeah, Charlamagne and Envy. Day, because Yee wasn't there for the for the. Uh, I mean, Envy wasn't there for the uh, Marlon Wayans But it, it was you know they just asked some questions about him having multiple kids and monogamy and you know wilding out and the, the Kevin Hart prank when he bought him the llama and then Kevin giving his number out and a bunch of other shit. Um, how did you feel about the interview? I thought it was a really good interview um, in terms of the topics they were able to cover. Yeah. Um, throughout the interview, Kick Nannan is the type of dude who has a very big ego. So he speaks about himself in a manner that is the most flattering to himself at any given point in time. Mm-hmm. I can think of maybe one instance in the interview where he was um, noticeably modest in regards to his approach to whatever it was that he was saying. Was some of the stuff he was saying valid? Absolutely. Yeah. Was some of it trash? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of it was trash. Um, a lot of trash. <laughs> Too many, not enough bins for the trash that this nigga was talking about. <laughs> so, um, there was a lot of things that he talked about, but I'm going to I'm gonna pull out some of the things that I agree with, if that's okay with of you. Of course. Um, some of the for? things that I agree with is the fact that everybody's not built for monogamy. We can sit here and we can pretend that everybody's built for monogamy, but that's not it. Since the beginning of time, there was that hole over there. There was the the person who liked to fuck with everybody. Blah, blah, blah. There, there were sirens. There were serpents. There were concubines. There were holes, whores, whatever you can think of. There, and, and the day. crazy, the crazy part is that label has been given to females and never given to males. Uh, males get 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 names like adulterers. <laughs> Rolling Stones. <laughs> Rolling Stones. Yeah. But um there have been those types of people since the beginning of the time who were not who were not, for lack of a better term, designed to be with one person at a time because they themselves are always an influx and changing and becoming somebody else and learning somebody else and becoming somebody new. Um and for for, for the longest time that's all of us. If we're being honest, there are times where we know that we're not supposed to be with just one person because we're figuring out who we are. And I firmly believe that. Like he said, um, he was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be with a person. And then when Envy and um, Charlamagne started talking about their wives and their relationships and stuff like that, he said, I never met someone who made me feel that way. Yeah, because I've been in the spotlight for so long, I didn't grow up with somebody where it was me and them since I was eight years old. I don't have that. Yeah, but and that's also, such an interesting time, perspective. It's an interesting perspective, but at the same time, I think that he won't, um, there's a lot of dudes who won't allow themselves to feel that or um, don't trust. Because when you don't trust, you can never, without trust, you can never find someone that you figure that you can spend your whole life with. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think that was the point he was trying to make, though. No, I, I think, just took it from there. Yeah, 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 of course. And, you know, he has a point because somebody who knew you when you were a younger person and now is still in your life as an older person is going to be able to, I mean, there's certain things that you're going to allow them to do, right? Like if you've known somebody since you were six years old and they've always been around and consistent in your life, you're going to allow them to say certain things to you that somebody that you met five years ago will never be able to say mm-hmm. because it'll be a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so looking at it from that perspective. But does, does quality of time equal um, strength of 100%. connection? 100%. Or is this only quality of time? 100%. Because 
No, so no. Somebody, I think I think somebody, it does. No, no, I think no. Let does. me let me ask you this question because yeah. when you say that, you say a whole bunch of stuff with it. So let me tell you what you're saying with this. You're saying that you, regardless of what they do, you're gonna be more loyal to someone who you've known since you were six than you are loyal to someone that you know since you. Not more loyal, Sorry. more um. What's it? What's it? What's the word that I'm looking for? That's how I'm interpreting it. So no, it's not. It's definitely not more loyal. Um, more patient is the word. More patient. More patient. So it, it's not patient. that we're allowing it. People are gonna be who they are, but like the the things that I will allow my younger brother to do versus the things that I'll allow somebody that I met, you know, two years ago to do, it's totally different. They could do the same exact thing. I was born before Kyle. I know him. I know where his heart is. I know the type of person that he is. Even if he believes that I don't, like I pay attention to everything he does. But if I'm with, I'm, if I'm hanging a lot with a, a new colleague, Chris is a perfect example of this. When I started hanging with Chris, Thompson, Isaac, well, Thompson, Chinito, there was a couple niggas that were insecure about me hanging with Chris. I was like, what the fuck? Where this nigga come from? But that, it doesn't mean that I don't love y'all the same that I've always loved you. It's this is, a, a, this is a person that I work with. I see him more than I see you guys. We can still fucking do our things on the weekends, but this is somebody that I see Monday through Friday. Here's somebody I'm checking in with because we are in staff meetings together, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't mean he's taking your place. You know what I'm saying? Now, the things that I will allow him to do to me that affect me or do around me, it's going to be way different. Like, my, my threshold for nonsense is going to be much lower because he's still not any of the niggas that I've known for so five years. So he's new years. to this. He's not true to this. 100%. Okay, so let me ask you something. So it's not the, the, the level of relationship that you have. It's the length? Because it's both. I would, it's I would, both. It's I would, both. Okay, okay. I would argue, it's the length with the Okay, month. I would argue that a lot of the relationships that we built early on were based on convenience. So our best friends were the people who lived in our neighborhood. Our best friends were the people that we went to school with. They weren't necessarily great matches for us. They were just great matches for us within the, the realm that we existed within that time. I disagree with that because I didn't grow up in the neighborhood that they grew up in. That's the neighborhood I was in, but that, like, I grew Did up... Did you spend the most time in the neighborhood that you spent the most time with Jason? 50-50. It was 50-50. I was at my grandma's house three days a week. This... So you made an informed decision for Jason to be your best friend versus the people it just happened who were that... at a different house. It just happened that way. I spent every day with my classmates. I don't even talk to them niggas now. I spent three days a week at my grandmother's house, and I still have Jason's like number in my phone yeah but you had a choice in those things you can go outside and nah nah because you know again that's why i'm saying it's both it's not necessarily the longevity because he also has to choose to stay in my life as well i'm just trying to get you to understand what you're saying so that you can clarify what you're saying because when you say something like somebody who's there longer has more you have more patience for it than somebody who's been there for listen i still also, yeah that's true but there's also a opposing thing because I feel like the people you've known longer, you're quicker to correct than somebody that you just met. I mean, if we're talking about the lay people, yes. If we're talking <laughs> about Wale or Brianna, no, it's not. No, that's not true. I've seen you check niggas that you've that been on the pod for 10, 10 minutes. So it's not true. But I check everybody. I, you're making my point. I'm, am I? You're making my point because you're not. It doesn't matter what the frequency is or how long you've known them or the timeline or the history. They're still gonna get held accountable, and I'm the same way. All I'm saying is, there are certain privileges, for lack of a better word, that we allot people from our past that we've known longer. 
I can agree with that. And for the most part, nine times out of ten, those people are family. Family I, members. I agree with that. Because I was 25 years old before I said, you know what? I got to stop giving my mom and my brother this privilege of just being able to just like ask me for shit. You were 29 when you decided that. Don't talk about my business in front of company. I mean, I'm talking about mine. And we on the pregame, and we very. <laughs> All right, this ain't I'm company. Not this to, ain't company. You right. You right. You know what I'm saying? This is the pregame, but like, but that's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? I was. It took me 25 years to learn. All right, my mom is kind of toxic. My brother is really toxic. I have to distance myself from both of them in order for me to grow and be better as a person, mm. right? But I gave them 25 years of leeway. Anybody that I met after that. Nigga, you got twelve hours. Okay. Maybe less. You okay. got. You, okay. Or you. What What I'm hearing you say, and yes. this is what I'm hearing you say. Yes. But what I'm hearing you say is, you give them more of the benefit of the doubt because you've known them long and you've allowed yep. them to operate within that realm. Yeah. Whereas new people don't get the privilege because you're not allowing that anymore. Exactly. Okay, I respect that. And I'll give you enough leeway to see how you are in a similar situation. To things that I've seen from my friends in the past. Okay. And as soon as the red flag goes up, hey, can I holler at you? Let's talk about it. <laughs> 100%. And so that's what I'm saying. It's no, not. No, no, no. I respect that. But yeah. when you said it earlier, and I don't know if when you listen back, you'll agree with me, but when you said it earlier, it didn't have that that type of ring to it. It had the, you've been here for longer, therefore I have more patience. And that's it. Yeah, because that's, how, so I, that's how I present. Yeah, I mean, I'm, obviously there's more meat and potatoes. Yes, but there's a lot of people who are loyal for the sake of being loyal because somebody's been around for a long time. Do I think you're that person? No, but do our, do our listeners know you? I hope they would, nigga. <laughs> but do they? Absolutely not. And those types of people are folks like my brother who have a huge heart. And just because you are part of our bloodline, I will give you, I will afford you all of the opportunity to give me nothing but the benefit of the doubt. When a nigga like me, who I don't give a fuck if you blood, you gotta act right. You gotta come correct. And so when I see doubt, I'm like, at the fire station, there's a fire nigga like, yo, what are you doing? Like, get away from these niggas. That's how I am. Like, there's no benefit of the doubt. I have doubt in everybody, except for you, because you're my little brother. And you have to be smarter than that. You have to move different, because... You hold him to a very high standard. I have to. He's an Akimbi boy. Akimbi boy is a life. Ride together, we die together. That's what it is. I respect it. You know what I mean? But, like, do I expect the same shit out of uh, Isaac and Thompson, and Yepes and Chinito, and Chris and June, and, like, no. But... Those also, those are also my brothers, and I, I think that they wouldn't. Like I said, they wasn't sliding down the stairs with you guys. Hundred percent on a on a Lion King blanket. Right. It's a little different. Right. It's a little different. And again, doubling back to something I said on this podcast like a hundred episodes ago, I, I don't, I have the expectation that people will let me down, especially people that I'm not super connected with. Mm-hmm. But the people that I am connected to and that I've known for a minute, yeah, you just, my expectation is that you're going to be solid all the time because you know that I'm going to be solid, right? It's with the strangers and the new people and the motherfucking new faces that come around 
when we throw a birthday at yours. Like, I don't trust everybody in your family, but I trust the fact that they love you, they care for you, and they want to make sure that it's a good time. I'm not going to fucking have the mindset that niggas is going to come in here and try to make it all about them when it's really all about you, celebrating you, your life, and your existence. Same thing with my shit. You know what I mean? I'll never have that mindset. But I also, I always reserve the fact that if it does happen, I kind of expect it. You reserve the fact that there's a possibility. I reserve the right to be surprised at all times. That's the best way I can say it. Okay. I, I reserve the right to be surprised at all times. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, But you have to allow yourself to be surprised pleasantly and unpleasantly. At all times. Yeah, because it doesn't matter if it's a pleasant... Because I could be somebody... So you can you throw a surprise party for me for my 33rd birthday, and I hate it. But I expected you to do some shit. Because there's going to be little things, there's going to be little clues in your behavior mm-hmm. leading up to it that's going to be like, yo, he's like, wait, what the fuck Probably trying to throw a party. First of all, I'm a big expressive. If I was gonna sneak something in, you wouldn't know about it. Nigga, fuck out of here. I know you well enough to know when you're up to something. Oh, please. And if you get these two niggas involved, these goofy ass niggas gonna blow your cover. <laughs> these goofy ass niggas gonna blow your cover. But when it happens, I'm just gonna be like, I'm gonna be mad. Because I'm gonna be mad and happy. Like, mm. the fuck you do this for, nigga? Yeah. Because I'm just, I'm just Wole. I'm not. I'm not, I ain't shit. I'm just a nigga. You know what I mean? That, mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. So, yeah, I mean. I just I just think that the, there's there's a couple things to um, this whole point. And then we can move on to something else Kid Manning said, if you like. Um, but the whole point to this is, like, I just wanted to know where the, when you said something like, you speak about loyalty, we go off on tangents a lot. Yeah. But I feel like, and, and many times when we're covering these subjects, we don't get to speak our whole truth. And people get misquoted when they don't get to speak what they actually mean. Yep. And seeing that I know you as a person, I know what you mean when you say what you mean, but our listeners don't. So before they make a, a, a judgment off of 10 words, let's give them the other 20 so they can have the back. Yep, 100%. And that's why we're here, to ask questions. Not to just let one another go off on, you know, say uh, say what we say, mean what we say, and that's it. Like, no, nah, if you got questions, they can ask. It's all good. So... That was one of the things that kicked in and talked to me. <laughs> one of the things, right? One of the things. Go ahead. Um, what, what the, the monogamy, people pretending to be what they're not, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think society has done us a disservice by selling us the dream that everybody can fall with monogamy and happiness lies within monogamy. Yeah, no, nah, that's um, That's the biggest the biggest thing that they've, they've sold to us. And I'm not saying, me personally, I'm a monogamous person. I know myself. I know the fact that there's somebody who I want to be able to say, to look at you and say, I'm okay with spending the rest of my life with you, and I don't have to figure out anybody else. Yep. I don't have to guess about nobody else because I know about you. And I know that you want to know about me so much that we know about each other. However, I also recognize that for some people, that's not the reality. And they may not have found the person. Like There's this image of a puzzle piece, and it's like two simple puzzle pieces, and they fit together. And when they fit together... They're like, um, to the other person, they're like, the other puzzle piece, they're like, still haven't found the person that's the match to you. And this person has like zigzags and swirls and all types of shit on their their um, their exterior that a person is supposed to match with. So it's going to be harder for them to find the person that's for them because they have higher requirements and they are different types of people. Whereas two simple people can easily find um, a match to them and, and, and 
the way their relationships last depend on how much the, each of them are willing to make it work. Yep. And when somebody like Nick Cannon can say, like, oh, I've, I've dealt with these females and they've all had the decisions to, to have babies by me because we talked about it. Yeah. And you think that's Cap? I think that he said, I think that they said they're pregnant and he was like, well, you knew we was having unprotected sex, so you knew that could be an option. What's the move from here on? Because right. I do believe as an adult, I've said this to people. I've said this to a bunch of people. Said, I've, I've had friends come to me and be like, I'm pregnant. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I say, well, you have an unprotected sex? And they say, yeah. I said, well, you knew what you was getting yourself into when you decided to do this. You made an adult decision. Yep. For the moment. Are you on birth control? No. Oh, well. Can't blame the birth control company because you made informed decisions. Now you have to deal with whatever decision that you made. But so I agree with that that portion of like they knew that they could get pregnant and he knew that they could have a chance of reproducing. And when he talked about the the, the levels that people get to to where like you're starting off in a relationship and you you wear protection every time, right? The first time you're in any type of situation, you're gonna wear protection every time. Then you get more comfortable with the person. You realize that whether you can prove it or not, the person tells you I'm with only you, and I think guys can tell. Um, and women can tell too. Women can tell. I was going to go into why guys can tell, but I'll just say males and females can tell. Okay. Um, but when you start to tell, when you start to be like, oh, oh, this is for real. This is actually just me um, doing this shit. So why can't I be, you know, why can't I experience the full effects if it's just me? If it's somebody else, then I don't know if I want to experience the full effects. But if it's just me, why can't I experience the full effects? Word. So, gotcha. um, I also agree with the fact that he is not necessarily a rapper. He's terrible. I can I can um big up the fact that he plays seven instruments and and, and he can write different thoughts, but he's a writer. He is not a performer. Yeah, a writer. Air quotation marks. Um, no, I think he's a writer, but he has to have some sort of guidance. So his ideas are are valid in in some cases. So like some of the ways that he let, let me explain. I'm listening. Some of the ways that he delivers certain things to where it's like that whole thought on monogamy and how everybody's not supposed to be monogamous. That is a valid thought. Do you understand what I'm saying? But but because his delivery is what it is, you're like, this is Kid Man and I don't really care. That and he's lying. <laughs> I mean, yeah, BT, you know. You know when a nigga's lying. He lying. It's Cap, nigga. And he had his turban on. No, he had a hoodie on. My bad. He had a hoodie on with like a silky. He had a silk do rag on with a, with, a, with a hoodie. I don't think, I think a lot of what he's saying was Cap, but I think what he said, the point that I, I highlighted as being honest is that he hasn't found the person that makes him feel like he wants to commit to The him. beginning of the conversation was the most authentic, authentic. of that ent- okay. entire Yes. Everything thing. else was what he thought people wanted to Yeah, do. like him getting into the music and, and then talking about losing Wild and Out and, and, and talking about, you know, Real people being around them and, and certain people like playing step and fetch it to get other opportunities. That stuff was all real because we saw, we heard what DC Young Fly, Carlos Miller, and Chico Bino had to say about it mm-hmm. on social media and also on the Breakfast Club. Um, well, no, we're not on the Breakfast Club, but in different interviews and shit like that. Um, like those were the parts of the interview that made the most sense when he was talking about God and. Like, nigga, shut up. That's what got you in trouble. That's what got you canceled in the first place. 
So like, you know. I did like the part that he said about the baby and us educating him versus ostracizing him. Yeah. I appreciated that part. Yeah, and that's also something that Jada Kiss and the Lock said when they was up there because I watched that interview <laughs> I too. know, I know. Um, and, you know, you can't cancel. You, you, you teach the young brother. Teach the young brother. And it's true. Teach him. Like, if he's homophobic, you got to understand the circumstances that he came from, the environment that he lived in, the environment that we came from. We were on the same shit, and we're learning, too. We're right. all we're all figuring all of this shit out. We're knocking down the walls one by one as we get along in this life. And so to cancel somebody and, like, you know, the baby's not the smartest fucking guy in the world for retracting his apology and deleting that shit after he put it out last week. But, like, that's also part of him that's learning. That's ego. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% ego because you don't want to be you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be held accountable for being wrong. So, um, but, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, Kick Manning is a he's, – he's necessary for the culture. And, like, like, I hate 50 Cent, but I do appreciate what he said about Kick Manning. He's legendary corny because he's the most legendary corny nigga of all time. 50 act like he's the furthest away from corny. He no, 50 is corny as fuck. He's corny as fuck, you know. Next episode, we'll do a top 10 corny dudes. I'm going to hold you to that because I'll, I'll start writing my list tomorrow because 50 is at the top of that list. Everything about him is corny. 50 is at the top of that list? He's before Nick Cannon. Mm. He's higher than Nick Cannon for sure. We'll talk about this next week. Yeah, exactly. Next week. Um, but yeah, man, you know, shout out to Nick Cannon. Shout out to The Breakfast Club. Shout out to, you know, MV and Charlemagne. Uh, even though Envy is the weirdest nigga of all time. Um, let's let's transition to our last topic so we can get out of here. A couple weeks ago, it leaked that P.J. Washington, um, shooting guard or small forward for the Charlotte Hornets, got pregnant, a notorious hoe, a notorious Instagram thought that was out here fucking with all kinds of niggas and was trying to get pregnant by all these niggas. And finally sunk her teeth into a young bull who came into the league who was only like 20, 21 years old, and she's 28. Um, and her name is Brittany Renner. Brittany Renner is a thought that's been, a, like I said, she's been around the league. She's been around for about nine years, a good a good portion of her life. She is a thought of Miss Prime. Her, her, <laughs> her skills are sucking dick, letting niggas fuck uh, nothing her raw, and... Uh, Spending them niggas' money. Um, and so she dated James Harden. She, oh, well, she not dated. I can't even say dated. She fucked James Harden. She fucked, you know, a bunch of different rapper niggas. Like, James Harden fucked everybody. James Harden is nigga. That nigga has chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, and herpes right now. There's no way he doesn't. But that's a story for another day. So, Brittany Renner, 28. PJ Washington, 21. She got pregnant by P.J. Washington. P.J. Washington, when he found out um, that she was pregnant, he was elated. He thought it was going to be a dad. He, you know, wanted to be a father, blah, blah, blah. And Brittany Renner took him to court, filed for child support. She's going to get $200,000 a month. That's right. You heard it, folks. A rookie in the fucking NBA who's making millions of bucks has to now pay his, who he thought was going to be his girlfriend, wife, fiance, Baby mother, mother of his children, not baby mother, mother of his children, um, is going to get $200,000 a month from him in child support. And he tweeted, damn, I thought it was real, but you were lying the whole time. Now, when this happened, 
Our friend of the show, Lexington Corey, texted me and said, somebody should have told that young bull that this that this woman, uh, she finishes her plate and eats all her food. And I la- I put the la- several laughing emojis and I was like, he didn't know. He's 21. Like, how the fuck was he supposed to know that? He's a fucking kid. You don't get it. Um, and then I also saw some verified tweets from niggas who have the blue check that are like rappers and niggas in the industry that was just like, now, if the roles were reversed and Brittany Renner was a 28-year-old man getting a 21-year-old woman pregnant, black Twitter would be crazy. Social media would be nuts. He's absolutely right. This would look way different if this was a man who did this to a woman. Uh, again, shout out to Kendall Isaacs and uh, Kelly Clarkson's ex-husband. Shout out to them. The Wendy Williams husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, Doodle Brown. Shout out to them kings for getting their money. <laughs> um, I clearly. I know. It was yeah. equal opportunity hate. Yeah, equal opportunity hate. Shout out to those kings, though, uh, for, for getting their bag. But, like, this young brother. <laughs> well, shout out to them queens for getting the bag. Though. Absolutely. You fucking skanks. Nicole, <laughs> Nicole Young, you fucking. Anyway. But, like, oh. <laughs> Brittany Renner, you fucking skeezer. Uh, but, yeah, so what do you think about it, Ray? Break it down. Well, um, I think it's very interesting um, because there's very much a. So, I've seen her videos multiple times. And I was like, oh, like she she works out, she does what she does. I didn't think any that she was an Instagram. Oh, I had no idea. Who you think was paying for a gym membership? I paid for my own gym membership, so I, I said, I, I, that's what no, I asked. No, but listen, listen, I'm not assuming that somebody else pays for her since I pay for my own. Does that make sense? It does make sense if you make sense and shut have logic up, and a brain. <laughs> but these bitches don't make sense. You, you're right because you're not a bitch. His, his you're, you're brief. A woman, a grown ass woman. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, this shit is nasty, by the way. I'm about to spill this shit out. I didn't like it. I don't like it. Sorry, well, I'm talking about the. Get some ice. No, no, it's it's not good. Cold, like I don't like it. But I'm gonna finish it. Um, well, Seagrams is not time. as good as the other things you get. To be honest, this is the nastiest Seagrams I've ever had. The rest of them are fine. Like I can deal. That this shit is Hawaiian. The classic margarita is better than that. Yeah, no. Uh, well, yes, 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 yes. Not better than this particular flavor. So what drink of Seagram's escapes, and this one is Hawaiian Pog, just do yourself a favor. When you buy this particular variety pack, spill all four of them in the sink. Uh, but continue, Bree. I'm sorry. The pregame podcast is not from alcohol abuse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and if you spill it, it's abuse. Um, <laughs> but um, I didn't know anything about that. Um. So when I see these things, I'm like, wait, I've seen her before. So I went to, I look her up and I'm like, yeah, I've definitely seen her before, but I didn't know she was, cause she don't, females don't post about it. Whereas dudes will post every other chick that they're with just for like the club. Yeah. She, she didn't post, look at her Instagram. I don't want to. I don't want to. They never do, bro. That's the formula. So, so- and so PJ should have fucking knew this. PJ is one of these Gen X or they Gen Y. These Gen Y little niggas, these fucking, uh, these spawns of like Lil Uzi Bird, Lil TJ, Da Baby, Lil Baby, Gunna, fucking, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Young Thug. All these niggas 
all these kids that listen to them five niggas and all the other little niggas that's in that class, they get tricked all the fucking time. They out here whining and shooting each other for nothing. Young I thug is. I don't disagree with you. Listen, young NBA boy, young boy, whatever the fuck, fucking a boogie with all these young niggas, these under thirty niggas. They don't do half of the shit that these niggas that are twenty twenty one are coming up. They cool with it. And he, you're a baller. It's one of your old. You got old. I mean, actually, that's the problem because there's no OGs on the Hornets. It's Lamelo Ball. That nigga's twenty two. He's twenty. He's a year older than PJ. Then the the fucking small forward. That nigga's twenty one. Twenty. There's no OGs over there. So they got saying, rid of Kemba. So you're saying if you want to... PJ ring, got no OGs is what I'm saying. If you're saying you want to ring, go to the Lakers, has fucked the whole league. <laughs> Who's fucked the whole league? You're saying if you want to ring, go to the Lakers, has fucked the whole league. Wait, what? Um, I'm, am I drunk? Who's on the Lakers besides OGs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. True. Now it makes sense. But yeah, I mean, you got to go... There's no OGs on the Hornets. Now, whole team. That's because all the OG, OGs are on the Lakers. There's a couple niggas on the Sixers. There's a couple niggas on the Heat. That whole team. I'm talking like the tw- the niggas are injury the reserve. Uh, zero, bro. Okay. Zero. Like, zero. Like, when I, not, what are they saying, man? Cero. C-E-R-O with the thing on over the Oh, Cero, nigga. There's Cero OGs on the Hornets. It's all rookies, sophomores, and third-year niggas on that team, bro. The only nigga that Terry Rozier is the only OG. Terry Rozier is like 25 years old. 25. He'll get tricked by a bitch that think that he thinks loves him from Boston next week. There's no real fucking mature niggas on that team. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what the fuck? So, yeah, PJ, man, like, I hate it had to be you, bro, but you also had it coming. You should have did your research. You always check the whole facts, my nigga. You always check the whole facts. You do a BCI on every... You're in fucking... You're in the NBA. You're worth about $10 million. What the fuck makes you think that this bitch cared about you? She's seven years older than you, nigga. When you were six years old, she wasn't... When she was six years old, you wasn't even a fucking twinkle in your father's eye. What makes you think this bitch wants something from you other than your money? Come on, bro. Where's your Where's PJ Washington the the senior? P- PJ PJ Washington is uh did it the wrong way. Shout out to Jason Momoa because he did it the right way. Yeah, he 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 leveled up. He got a fucking cougar, one of the sexiest cougars ever. Like I don't, I just I don't get it. But if I was his OG, I would have told him like, nigga, you wilding right now. Wilder. Says the right way and the wrong way to do it. Bro, she's for fun because she's in the streets. And she tells the, the the difference between And she said the reason why we say she's in the streets because she told us. She said if you wanna get something from these ball players, they're not that smart. Just like fuck them in age protection. She said that in a you have video. To say that louder for our listeners to hear you or get closer to the mic. Listen. No, it's it came out pretty loud. But Brittany Renner has a video that went viral after this. She was like, I mean, like, if you're trying to come up, like, you just dated one of these pro athletes, one of these basketball players or these football players because they're not that smart. They're not that bright. And you can just let them nut in you and you're good. This bitch. That means she calculated not taking a breath control because she could have got pregnant anytime. Anytime. She ran through, like, 25 niggas. 
that have this level of money. Not that doesn't include the regular niggas. You know what I'm saying? And she's cool with uh, what's her name? Tiana Trump. This bitch, Tiana Trump, fucks 97 niggas in high school. 97. It's in an interview. Look it up. Tiana Trump, the porn star, fucked 97 niggas before she graduated from high school, bro. She was destined to be a fucking... That sounds like trauma to me, man. Bro, she was destined to be a cesspool of trauma, niggas come... 97 niggas before you turn 18, bro. Her body count is like in the in like the 500. That's disgusting. The fact that her vagina is still attached to her body is nothing short of a miracle from God. So that's crazy. No, 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 no. I got questions. Of course you have. Because questions. there's plenty of niggas who have fucked over 97 women. They don't do it on tape. The last 400 bodies they had wasn't on tape. You about to do that thing that you do. I feel you, but they didn't do it on tape. We all know Usher, Trey Songz. Because somebody... they couldn't do it on tape. Because <laughs> if they could have, they would have. Because they got more to lose if, than if a they, porn star. But if they could have, they would have. You're right, because they're not a porn star. However, I'm pretty sure Usher and Trey Songz, them niggas' dicks is barely hanging on. They probably got their own personal library. Of what? Snuff films? Or I'm talking about their genitals falling off. Oh, yeah. There's no way these niggas didn't have chlamydia 50, 60, 70 times. Because they probably carried it for like a month, a month, two months at a time without knowing. Because most of the time, you don't got no symptoms. Go to your doctor. Hey, nigga, take this for pills. That's why before. you need to get checked regularly. thousand percent. I'm due for one at the end of the month. And I will get checked. But, yo, that shit's great. Like, bro. Yo, PJ Washington, you fucked up, my nigga. I'm sorry, bro. Like, she played you for a whole fool. And you are a fool. You deserve what you got because you didn't pay attention. No, he needed this lesson. And when niggas talk about, oh, it doesn't matter who she had in her past, who he had in his past, yes, the fuck it does. Because if you rattle off your list, and I'm a young nigga coming into the NBA, NFL, MLB, whatever, and you rattle off James Harden, fabulous. You fuck fat? All right. Bye. We're not. This is a great dinner. I'll pay for it. I got you, but this is where I cut ties. Fab and James Harden on your list from six years ago when they were in their prime, when they were in Super Saiyan form, and you want to fuck with little old me, and I just came into this fucking league? Oh, yeah, bitch. Sorry. Where's his mom? Why did he scream this bitch with his mom? <laughs> I have questions. You have questions, nigga? I have questions. I scream. If I like a girl, she has to meet my mom. My mom will sit down with her for an hour and just casually, while she's knitting one of her fucking blankets, ask this girl questions. She ain't never thought about answers to in her entire life. And when those questions come back, uh-uh, 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 guess who gets the fucking first notice of all the red flags? Her son, who she loves and cares about. Where was this nigga PJ's mother? I can assume that because the NBA player, his father's not in the picture. Nigga went for a fucking cigarello, never came back. I can assume that. But where's your mom? Where's me, my nigga? Where's grandma? Where's big mama? You don't got a big mama? 
200K until that nigga's 18. That nigga's only 21. He's only 21. He's going to be 39 when he has to stop paying child support. He's going to be on some LeBron shit. His son's going to be about to go in the league. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done, bro. I'm done. Wrap this, wrap this shit up, bro. I'm done. I'm done. I cooked enough. I'm, I'm going out of the kitchen. I'm done. I, I cooked enough. Go ahead. Finish. Close it out, man. Close it out. Um, Fuck, man. What long story idiot. short. And he light skin. Hold that L, light skin, niggas. Hold that L, nigga. Terrence Howitt, Chris Brown, Aubrey Graham, also known as Drake, best known as Drake, fucking uh, Mario Van Peebles from New Jack City. All of you niggas, hold this L. Chase Sorrell's honorary light skin, nigga, because you're not a hybrid no more. Hold this L. <laughs> Jeremiah 2, honorary. Hold this L. Light skin niggas, bro. Light skin niggas. Kendrick Nunn would never. So uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So we close it out, maybe went in um Fucking yo, bro, that's crazy. This like you get up here and be like, yo, these bitches be embarrassing me. This nigga embarrasses me. You represent all men and you're gonna do this shit. You're going to do this shit? You ain't even been in the league for a full two years. And you're going to do this shit? Fucking goofball, nigga. Oh, my God. And when I meet, when we meet this nigga, he's going to want to fight me. Cool. But I'm going to have some for him. I'm going to have him. I'm not going to shoot him because Black Lives Matter and shit. But fuck this nigga, bro. Fuck this nigga straight up, dog. What's wrong with you, dog? Oh, wrap this shit up, Bree. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. But fuck that nigga, bro. Wow. Alright, so uh to wow. wrap up this topic, hold be careful. <laughs> this is this is how you wrap up this topic. Hold be careful. Yeah. In some people's minds, it's who can outhold the other. So if I can convince you to feel so much for me and ignore the fact that I don't feel for you, then I can get whatever I want for you. And people take advantage, male and female. Hundred percent. Brittany Renner did it great. What's his name? PJ Washington. PJ Washington. His name from here on out is WJ Washington. <laughs> WJ Washington. We're not gonna call him by his name because he don't deserve it. So what Washington did um, was make some no. Mistakes. What Washington did. Washington. What WJ Washington did <laughs> was unacceptable. What WJ Washington did. Yes, deplorable was, on all was accounts. Was one of those things where he. First of all, I don't see him going far in the NBA just of how he interacted. Bro, and if he don't, he's fucked. Because they don't he amend no child support. To, they, they can amend it. But they can't amend it. You just have to present the right case. He'll always be a starter because he's that good. That's what makes it sad. Right. He's so good. He's But here's the thing. Every female that comes after Brittany is going to have a hard fucking time. You can As they should. Time. I'm sorry. I'm yelling and you got names. It's not my, my body. I'm sorry. I'm shutting up. Just like every man who can, comes up to Kendall Isaacs is going to have a hard fucking time. Yo, keep making your money, Ken. <laughs> They're going to have a hard fucking time. Every man who comes after Kelly Clarkson's ex-husband is going to have a hard time. Every person who comes after Dr. Dre, um, Dr. Dre's wife is going to have a hard time. Mm-hmm. They're all going to have a hard time. Because for some reason, whether male or female, you were convinced this was the person you were supposed to spend your life with. And you ignored red flags. And you made a whole bunch of mistakes. And this person hurt you more either financially, emotionally, or physically than anybody else could have ever hurt you. So now, 
your guard is up and motherfuckers gotta climb castles to get into wherever it is that you're at. Climb castles. Facts. I only want castles built around me. Fuck. That's crazy, bro. All right. Um, anyway, um, this has been episode... 324. 224. 224. Yeah, my bad, I'm drunk. Of the pregame podcast. Yep. It has been the two of us going back and forth. Bar for bar for bar for bar. No Will Smith, but all the Will Smith. <laughs> the good Will Smith, too. Not like the, oh my God, I'm, I'm Will Smith and I'm acting in a movie and I'm not being the character. I'm being Will Smith. This is like seven pounds. Back before Will I Smith am played Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is like I robot, I am legend, seven pounds, pursuit of happiness, Will Smith. This is uh, uh, the dynamic duo um, coming at you. Shout out to our co hosts who are. Otherwise indisposed. They're indisposed. Otherwise engaged. No shame. Yeah, yeah they're indisposed. They're, no, they're just indisposed. Right. You they had other shit to do. do. That's because, cool. Because life goes on. Um, but y'all motherfuckers better listen to this podcast and tell us what you think. I know that's the fuck, right? I mean, um, it's it's amazing because they're not on it. Oh, <laughs> well, pew, pew. actually, ka-choo, ka-choo. <laughs> pew, pew. you know, Sorry. um, I hope they got a vest with them wherever they're at because this book is, 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 is this was a master class on how to podcast without talking over people, screaming unnecessarily, stuttering, slurring over your words, all that bullshit. Yeah, this is a master class on how to do that, but uh, y'all didn't hear that from me. But you did. Nah, you heard it from bitch, the pregame podcast. Where you heard yes, it from. yes, ma'am. Yes, um, because that's because we're in this together. Um, <laughs> for so, now. Here's Big what we messy. Have. Here's what we have. We have to shoot at each other so that we can make sure our vests work. Um, good so save. If, <laughs> good save. Good save. Yeah, I don't fight for the company. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so does that mean I'm Jay and your name? Or vice versa. <laughs> Who's good? That nigga's going with you. No, that nigga's going with you. That nigga come with me. He had no choice by default. Never mind. No, man. We're playing. We're playing. We're playing. There is no dissension amongst the ranks. No, the there is none. We, we love. It's, it's all we good love in the hood. our co-hosts. It's all good in the hood. It's Them just niggas that, is good. It just so happened that both you guys had to be absent at the same time, so you can both hold this L. Yeah, hundred percent. Hold this L for. Uh, Christian niggas and stuttering niggas everywhere. <laughs> I'm fucking petty. All right. Okay, listen. Rap, 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 listen rap, rap, uh, I'm sorry. As you, as usual, mm-hmm. tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their mother what a person in their life who talks the most. You can talk, probably talk to a six-year-old about it and they'd be like, Nana, you heard the pregame? Word. <laughs> There's people in everybody's life who talks the most. Pick the person who talks the most, tell them about the pregame. Not because you want to give them ammo, but you want to teach them what it's like to be an actual genuine person. Because there's only actual genuine people on the podcast. And real conversations. So real conversations. We we really do this. Real real conversationalists. Real communicators. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And if you want them to learn something, have them listen to the podcast. If you want them to enjoy something, have them listen to the podcast. If you want them to laugh at something, have them listen to the podcast. What that means is there's nobody in your life that you can't tell about the podcast. Word. Word. 100%. Yeah, man. Um, You already know, man. We love y'all. Episode 224, the pregame. We appreciate you. Wole and Bri signing off. Follow us on everything. Um, We have Instagram. We have Facebook, pregame podcast. 
We on Twitter. Follow us on fucking. Oh well, no, I'm lying. I'm saying follow us on those things. You can follow us on Facebook. Our main page is on Facebook, but we post all the new episodes on our personal social media pages. Be Brittle on Instagram. Won't I stand up on Instagram and IG for myself. We're on everywhere you listen to a podcast. We're on Spreaker Studio. We're on Anchor. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, episode, Apple Podcasts. Episode 233. Is it 233? No, last one was 233. Am I tripping? Oh, 233. Yeah, we was wrong that whole time. We have, I apologize because I'm drunk. But <laughs> episode 233 of the pregame podcast, man. We love y'all, man. And like I said, whatever, anywhere you listen to podcasts, motherfucker, we there. So salute to y'all. We'll be back next week, hopefully with the whole crew. Have a great weekend. And until next time, peace. And can't forget the motherfucking hair grease. Holla! <laughs>